this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help them you can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at DMOUnion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Of course, I stumble over the second sentence. I've only done this uh 500 times. You'll get there at uh, maybe 600. I'll, I'll, I'll keep working on it. WNBC. <laughs> oh, pig vomit. Um, uh, it's been a, been a while since I saw that. Yeah. Great film. Great film. Uh, let's talk about uh, some great albums that were in our poll. That's right. Our episode is a poll result episode where the uh, albums go into our hopper. Via the Dig Me Out website, you go there, you suggest an album. Anybody can put a suggestion in there that's listening or uh, following us on the socials. And uh, it goes into our Patreon community. Nine albums every month. They vote and we check one of them out. And usually uh, it's either something that we've totally heard of and we're not surprised by it in terms of, oh yeah, we, we know who this band is. Or it's something obscure that I've never heard of. So this particular poll, Jay, had a lot of stuff. I, I, I think I recognized maybe three of the bands. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of stuff in here that I didn't know. Yep, me too. So let's get through the uh, what came in for this poll. Uh, Richard Waterman suggested Tears for Fears Elemental. Obviously, we heard of Tears for Fears. Eric Peterson suggested Jax. That's J-A-K-S. Hollywood Blood Capsules. Um, Willie Dillon, Link. These are not fall colors. Those two I was not familiar with. Um, no. Kyle Bittner, Super Suckers, The Evil Power of Rock and Roll. Yes, we, we've known the Super Suckers. I was familiar with that one. Yeah. And then Scott Neiman s- suggested Polvos Celebrate the New Dark Age, which we've actually done a Polvo episode. So we're like yeah. half and half here. Um, then Mike Bond suggested Matter Rose, Bring It Down. That was a name I knew, but I had never listened to anything mm-hmm. of theirs. Um, Joe suggested Memory Dean, Shake It Up, and Adam Smith suggested Bird Brains. Let's be nice. I'm not familiar with either of those. You? I Well, that Bird Brain album cover is very familiar to me. I don't know why. I, you know why I think it looks familiar? It was because why? by the time we were, we were like going through dollar bins of CDs, it would have been at the very yeah. start where the bees are. Yeah. You probably just saw <laughs> it <right. laughs> repeatedly. I think you're right. It's like the ammonia. Uh, I think I even texted you when I pulled the albums out of the hopper. I had a double check and I even texted you because I'm like, this album looks so familiar. Yep. We reviewed this, right? It's not coming up in our <laughs> episodes, but I, I know I've reviewed this record. And we did not. Uh, but it does. It looks. Nope. It looks like about twenty different possible bands from the '90s could have used that yeah. cover. Uh, the last pick was Jonathan Fire Eater. That was uh, Wolf Songs for Lambs. That was by Jeff Petrin. Jay, I don't know if you know this, but Jonathan Fire Eater. 
that though the, the members of that band went on to form the Walkmen, who uh, you should know because oh uh, okay that's right yeah he played yep. with them once. Mm-hmm. So this poll did not go as I expected in that there were basically two runaway candidates uh, for this poll, or uh, you know, only two of the um, albums broke twenty yeah. percent. It was like uh, there's a horse race. You'd have two horses just out front the whole race and everybody else a mile behind. Yep. So Memory Dean was in last with uh, no votes. And then uh, with 3% of the vote, that was uh, Bird Brain, 5% Jax. Tied at 8% were Link and the Super Suckers along with Jonathan Fire Eater. Then you get up to Polvo with 11%. And that's wherever they get left in the dust. Uh, Tears for Fears, Elemental, second place with 27%, which means Matter Rose, Bring It Down, suggested by Mike Bond, won it with 30% of the vote. And I think that's representative of the comments uh, for this. John Pennycock let him off. He said, Matter Rose, because it reminds me of student house parties in the 90s. Uh, Kyle Bittner said, regardless of it being my pick, I have to go with the self-proclaimed greatest rock and roll band in the world, the almighty super suckers. So he went against himself. We've had that happen on a couple occasions here where people have suggested an album and then yet picked a different album because it was just a better idea, I guess. Uh, there was, there was some more on the super suckers, but, um, I wanted to, he said, this album makes me giddy for fans of the helicopters, Turbo Negro. The New Bomb Turks and Cosmic Psychos, all bands that we have talked about on this podcast, Jay. How about that? Yeah, I think we've done a pretty good job covering covering that scene. Yeah. Over time. We've, and we've I've and I've chipped uh, away at it. Become a Cosmic Psychos fan and actually got a Cosmic Psychos record not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Joe Royland says, since they've got a new album out, it would be cool to revisit the Tears for Fears album, even if it was just Roland Orzabal running the show at the time. It's either that or the Matter Rose album. So Joe was tuned into the top two uh, vote getters. Johnny, Johnny Hooper said, Jonathan Fire Eater 100%. Though this album is used as a failure, it really isn't. Its sound predates where the Walkman would eventually end up at and with better results. But Wolf Songs for Lambs has plenty to offer in its own right. Scott Witt said, I choose Tears for Fears. Always like this band and curious what everyone's opinion on it will be. This one's, this is one of the two where it's just Roland. I think the follow-up, Raul, is great. And that's a band, Jay, uh, sidetrack for a sec. I forget how yeah. many albums that Tears for Fear has in the 80s versus the 90s. Like, I think that all their albums came out in the yeah. 80s and they were just done, but it, that's actually not accurate. Well, the good part about them not winning is it leaves them open for a prime uh, in the 80s episode. And I think there would be a very good candidate for us to to dive in dive into that 90s catalog and yeah and talk and, and talk about it uh eric peterson did a breakdown of major label versus indie label for each of the bands and it came up with um only three of the bands suggested were on major labels that's tears for fears memory dean and jonathan fire eater now jonathan fire was on dreamworks they might have been considered a major label but I don't think that they were like that big, huge of a label. They were kind of a, a mess because they were gone in like 
five or ten years, and they were hugely backed mm. with like a ton of money. Um, the other one that he mentioned is Capricorn Records. Was Capricorn a big deal in the nineties? I don't really remember. I remember them being a seventies <sighs> record label that was a on a you know had a lot of stuff out. Yeah, I mean, I know the name. I don't. I'm struggling to think of a an artist that I would associate with that label. I think of them in the same as like what was the Kisses label Asylum. Oh, Casablanca. Casablanca, like Capricorn yeah. and Casablanca, and yeah, those kind of you know starts with a C, obviously, uh, in the seventies. Uh, Making Tyler's- Georgia. What? Uh, it's was started in Macon, Macon, Georgia. Oh, I've been there. Not to the Capricorn recording studio or record label, but just to Macon, Georgia. That's neither here nor there. Marshall Let's Tucker keep... Band. Oh, but you t- Marshall Tucker Band <laughs> and Dixie Dregs. Just trying to give you a reference for Capricorn Records. Okay. All right. Thank you. I don't see anything 90s there to your original question. Molly Hatchet? Uh, they refound, They started in the refounded. I'm sorry, relaunched in the 90s in Nashville. Whitesburg Panic, Cake, 311. That's right. Government Mule. I believe that the Whitesburg Panic album that we did was a Capricorn release. There you go. There we go. See, aren't you glad I closed that loop? You closed it up. Thank you. God, we're so off the target (laughs) there. Let's get back to the comments. Um, Tyler Storberg said, I don't know. I've heard that Tears record, more curiosity than a satisfying listen. I'm going with Matter Rose. Jeff Gentis said, agree with Tyler. I am already familiar with that Jonathan Fire their album. Thanks to uh, buying it after reading Meet Me in the Bathroom. I really like the Walkman. Every album is at least a better EP, including Hamilton's uh, collab with Rostam. But the Jonathan Fire their album is a bit of a mess. If, Demi- if uh, we ever cover it, it'll be a debate whether it's a hot mess or a hot with double T mess. It's <laughs> a real hot mess. Hot. Gavin said, I'm taking Super Suckers. Is it time they were mentioned here? This album is kind of the Super Suckers playing the Super Suckers. While I think Sacrilicious Sounds is a more authentic album, I'll take some good old rock and roll any day. Honorable mention to Matter Rose, which I enjoy. And uh, Kyle Bittner followed up with Sacrilicious is seriously a strong album and my second favorite of theirs. They are a hardworking band that deserves more attention than they get. Uh, Vadim Tabor said, uh, oh, he started creating a um, YouTube playlist for each of the, for, so you get like a song from each of the bands for the, mm-hmm. uh, for the polls. So uh, if you uh, go to Vadim's YouTube page, you might be able to check that out. That's pretty cool. Uh, Ian McIver went Tears for Fears. Everyone knows the songs from the first two albums and the title track from the third, but it would be interesting to hear their thoughts on one of the two albums without Kurt Smith. And it would be a timely pick. Um, and then Vadim said, Tears for Fears and Matter Rose will make for a great discussion, but I'm going with something I discovered from this poll that's speaking to me more, which is Link. Excited to check out that record, regardless if it wins. Also, apparently, the Polvo EP here is a worthy album for some of you. Well, apparently, it was an EP that was suggested, not a full-length album. <laughs> we don't do any, like, QA when these things come in. We just look at the title and put it in the poll. I do some, but... Gotta get the intern oh, on geez. that. Steve! Steve, you're fired. 
I try to make sure it came out in the nineties. <laughs> um, that it's a, at least available on YouTube. You know, got it. Other than that, I, there's no rule against EPs. There's technically there isn't. I mean, we've never, even though it, it's labeled as an album submission. There's no when you submit on the form. It, it uh, there's no criteria that it has to be in. Uh, an LP. Wow, dropping this at episode 590 something. <laughs> How many have slipped by? People didn't know that. You are you are absolutely going to blow their minds with this. Uh Willie Dillon said I went with my suggestion link. Such a great combination of post-hardcore emo and indie rock. Rest in peace Sam Jane. Also a fan of Jonathan Fire Jonathan Fire Eater. I hadn't heard Memory Dean or Birdbrain before, but I'm liking those as well. Jack's pretty raucous. I was surprised by the recording quality, but I see it was recorded by Albini, which is cool. And he had some negative things to say about Memory Dean. Uh, Chip Midnight said, I went with Matter Rose, and I've got Mary Lorson on my list of artists to try to interview. Mike Bond, Matter Rose for me, with songs as great as Swim, Beautiful John, Living a Daydream, and Lights Go Down. This is a classic album, in my opinion. Remember seeing them play Reading Festival next to Yola Tango and Buffalo Tom on a small stage back in the early 90s and blowing my teenage mind. That would be pretty cool. Uh, and then uh, I think the poll closed at this point because Calvin uh, Bittner said, happy to see Matter Rose take it. I wasn't familiar with them prior to this poll. And if I didn't have a horse in this race, I would have voted for this. And then Patrick Testa said, I was trying to listen to every album this month and time ran out before I finalized my vote. I had Jax in there as my early front runner. And so that's where it landed. That Super Sucker album is great, though. And I fell in love with Matter Rose um, song, Lay Down Low. It sounds so much like early X. Interesting. And those are our Hmm. comments from the uh, union members at Patreon. And I, I, we didn't go over, but JB, were you familiar with them at all? I was not. I mean, I, the name was familiar to me. Right. Um, but that's about it. I didn't know what, what to expect, and I hadn't heard them. And I, this album cover and the name are totally like mid-90s kind of when I'm starting at the radio station and I don't, I'm like looking yeah. at the CDs and I'm like, I don't know what any of right. these bands are. Like it's just a blur of bands that look like this. Yes. There's, you know, this is my first this is sitting down with like 50 CDs and trying to like give an opinion of them at my weekly music meeting, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and not sound like a, a complete moron. Cause I'm like, what's the difference between these bands? I don't understand. Aren't they the same band? <laughs> you had to make the call on whether you're going to play it or not. And you're like, I mean, I don't know. Well, I, I remember I don't like it. I got um, <laughs> I got at one point an album where I think it might have been the Catherine album, like the first one, not the one we reviewed, but the yeah. one before that. And I was like, I don't really get this. And they were like, yeah. well, did you pick any singles? And I was like, no, I didn't really think. And they're like, well, we're and I, the music director was like. Yeah, well, we're going to play this one, this one, and this one. Like, basically, he knew what the chart, what CMJ was already showing. Yeah. What people were playing. So he was just adding it because, well, these <laughs> other stations added it. So clearly, it's good. That's so funny. I had the exact same experience. I, I, I did that a couple times. And I remember one of the CDs I got was Joan of Arc. I think it was the band. Joan of mm-hmm. Arc. Does that sound familiar? I had the same reaction as you. It was like, I don't really like any of this. And 
And I remember like handed it in and it was like, okay, well, we're going to play these three. It's <laughs> like, all right. I don't know. I don't think I was asked to do it out anymore after that. I was like, I, I don't know that I get some of these records. I don't know that I can be helpful. I mean, I don't think that there was anything like nefarious going on, but I would not have been surprised if like certain record labels had been like, make sure that these songs get in rotation and yeah, like, we'll get you some sweet, you know, concert tickets the next time so-and-so's <laughs> in town. But uh, I have no evidence of that. I'm I'm not casting aspersions on anyone or any particular school, uh, Toledo. So I feel like we're um, I'm obligated to to review that Joan of Arc album at some point on the show. You you kind of are. <laughs> you you, uh, you took a dump on it. You better revisit it at some point. Uh, but yeah. first, we should uh, not revisit, but talk about an album we are both unfamiliar with, which is "Bring It Down" by Matter Rose. Uh, just a little bit on the band uh they were from new york city and uh actually formed in greenwich village which is uh something you associate more with the 60s as far as uh bands than the 90s but uh they formed in 1991 uh guitarist billy cote it's a c-o-t-e but then there's an accent over the e and i'm not sure Mm. what to do with that accent so i'm gonna say (laughs) cote Cause I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. Oh yeah. And, th- and then Mary Lorison, um, is the, uh, the vocalist and, um, also plays guitar and they met and basically started making music together and they signed to a, was like an offshoot of Atlantic called seed records. So it was like an independent label, but they had distribution through Atlantic or whatever. And they were on uh, that for their debut, Bring It Down, which came out in 1993, which is the one we're talking about. It was produced by Kevin Salem, who, like, Yola Tango, he was in the band Dump Truck, and he was produced or, or played with bands like Freddie Johnston and Yola Tango. And so this got some play in the UK. Um, John Peel was a fan and he was a tastemaker over on uh, the BBC and he got them like uh, the song swim got into the UK and got charted and stuff. uh, Thanks to him liking this band. So they're kind of a bigger deal in the UK than they were in the U S because of that. And the enemy um, being fans of theirs. And um, so then, 94 they follow this up and release uh panic on that uh is also on seed but also through atlantic um and then in 97 they released the album tragic magic and that's just on atlantic it's not a uh it's not a, a seed uh release anymore and then they released hello june fool in 1999 and then broke up and then they got back together in 2019 and put out the album to be beautiful um and mary uh lorson has done uh, bands since the after uh the original breakup and before the reunion um she was in an, a band called saint low and um which uh 
Billy Cote uh, also played guitar and did some production and um, she worked with some other uh, artists on a couple different projects. One called Piano Creeps, which is like, an, I guess, a instrumental album. And then um, there's a couple other ones, but there's a lot of like side projects and stuff that happened while Meta Rose was not together. So let's get into it. Enough talking about not the album. Let's actually talk about the album. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about Bring It Down by Meta Rose. I really like the juxtaposition between this breathy, delicate sounding voice in a band that um, can get pretty abrasive, but in also be a little bit jangly, be a little bit um, kind of open and strummy and layered. Um, they, they've got a lot of range musically, but typically it feels, you know, pretty dark musically. So that juxtaposition of this band that's, you know, flexing some muscles, getting into like things that sound shoegazy or a little bit punk. Um, and then countering that with this voice that's i mean for the most part you know she sings in kind of a head voice there's quite a bit of harmonies um but you know it sounds kind of pretty so you have this constant like duality going on where um you know the mood is dark but it's kind of lightened uh, musically it's dark but it's lightened by this vocal so i think it just creates like an interesting listen through the whole record um, I also liked, you know, the, they could pull off a, a, a ballad like while away, you know, it kind of feels a little bit traditional. It still has that dark, like haunting feel to it. But for the most part, it's a straightforward, like emotional ballad. But then they'll twist and they'll do a couple songs on here to me that at their core, if you broke down what was going on from a riff standpoint, rhythm standpoint, uh, they're kind of just punk songs like 20, uh, 20 foot red, I think, and lay down low are the best examples where you really just listen to those parts. You could kind of envision a, a different production, maybe different singer. And they would be, you know, kind of straight up late 80s punk songs. Um, so that was interesting, too, and a bit unexpected. Like you kind of get in record the first couple tracks and it feels like it's going to be a kind of a dense, dreamy vibe, which 
it is, but then you, these up there, you know, there's up-tempo songs that at their core, you're, you're getting this energy that's got more edge and it's a little bit rocky, um, which was unexpected. And I, and I kind of, I enjoyed it. I think those songs were um, well-placed in the record too, to kind of keep them, give the record a kick in the butt and keep the momentum up. Uh, the other thing I really liked was a really creative mix at times of electric guitars and acoustics. Uh, I think the song while away is a really good example of what I'm talking about. The electric guitar is super distorted, but it's really distant. And the acoustic guitar is right in your face and very like upfront and present. And somehow they're balanced and it's a really, I don't know how they would do this live, but on record, it worked really well where you get this depth and sort of a dreary dark vibe from this electric guitar off in the distance, but then it's plucky and present and like intimate in your headphones because of the acoustic guitar. And that they do that quite a bit on the record where they mix in uh, acoustics on top to give texture. So you can kind of hear those string hits and just give dimension and that dynamic. And I think as you listen to the record more and more, you start to pick up on that. It just, it just gives you some more layers to dig into, which I enjoyed. What worked for you? Well, a lot of this record worked for me uh, from the jump with Beautiful John. I was like, Oh, this is this sounded to me like Kay Hanley singing for early Dinosaur Jr. You know, it had mm. this raucous kind of uh, 80s Dinosaur Jr. sound with, uh, you know, his guitar tone sometimes in the, on those early records is pretty brittle. And yeah. uh, it reminded me a lot of of that. But um, Mary Lorison's voice, I think what really works, you know, on those fast songs, she's got the energy and the, and the, you know, the ability to be like really on top of it with regards to her, where she puts her vocal. And then on like a song, like while away or bring it down, which kind of get into like a shoegaze meets like Mazzy star kind of vibe that I really enjoyed. I, I like that there is noise with her voice when she's singing softer and, um, there's this balance of pretty and ugly when there's all this distortion happening and stuff, which is, you know, the same way when you listen to like my bloody Valentine. Um, but I, I, I think from beautiful John and you mentioned some of the other faster songs like 20 foot red and even lights go down. There's some, I mean, these are really good pop songs. It's just like punk pop stuff that's happening yeah. here. And, um, which is if you take those and and sort of rearrange the record like this could be this could easily be in the vein of of like slow dive or you know uh early cran not cranberries up sundays or something you know it's mm. it is it's a very yeah. uh all over the place record and then you have what's probably the hookiest song um i think swim um in terms of uh, just a, they they sing that 
Rose Matter part, and uh, it just yeah. gets you know, yeah. it's just super. But it's just over six minutes long. I had to imagine they made a radio version yeah. for that, uh, because they almost like sabotage <laughs> like the perfect. Uh, it should be a three and a half minute long song. Um, you talking about swim? Yeah. Um, the version I'm seeing is two thirty nine. I, I was trying to figure out if maybe like the tracks are mis um net was mislabeled or something yeah but it sounds like lay down low is on the same track as oh is that gotcha they combine it yeah if you combine those two together that would be six minutes but i still have 13 tracks i don't know what's going on <laughs> i'm so confused right now is this going well, the, off the track off the rails here the other thing that's interesting about that song is the guitar parts under it are pretty weird for it i mean i agree with you it is hooky and melodic but when you break down the guitar parts there's like this trilly thing going on and there's this bendy guitar that's right using tremolo or something they're just not parts that like you would think would you'd be able to kind of take for the full song they're pretty pretty obnoxious but they're like the way they're mixed the vocal comes forward and it works things that in terms of what works it's definitely mary lorison her vocal the overall um approach of the band like going from this you know up-tempo pop punkish type stuff to these much more subdued and and atmospheric sounds but i had i had a problem with his guitar playing um it's at times it's like weirdly amateurish mm. and there's never I don't know that there's a single song that has a good guitar tone on I mean it goes from like mediocre to like yes. almost just sounds like rubbing two pieces of sandpaper together like there's no yeah. there's no definition in it so yeah for what didn't work I'm I'm with you on the guitar tones I think to my earlier point with the layering I think they're trying to cover up and bring more tone by adding acoustics right and i think it probably saves a lot of these songs by doing that um i just think the production overall is just inconsistent the the songs that are they're supposed to be louder feel smaller and the songs that are quiet feel bigger uh it, it just the drums are flat 
it just sounds the bass tone is bad mm-hmm. it's just not a consistently produced record i mean some of those tracks sound fine and other ones are like eh, this is not great uh, definitely benefits from listening to it loud um uh, it kind of reminds me of at times Catherine wheels for Ment, but i think that record still sounds better than this um in the way that it's produced um and then her voice i really do like it um i wouldn't mind a little more dynamic she sings very in her head like doesn't project a ton uh and i i wouldn't mind hearing more projection uh tanya donley came on after this record and it just hit me of like oh wow okay yeah this could be like she's in the same ballpark but she has so much more like i don't know dynamic to her voice and she projects so much more and i couldn't help but think you know with that kind of energy here it, it would help quite a bit um maybe even in particular on the harmonies, you know, there's a lot of cool harmonies here and you really have to listen to get them. Yeah. Uh, they don't pop out of the speakers. And some of that is just the, the singing style, but it, it, the production isn't helping it either. So those are a couple of things that didn't work for me. Yeah. I think the mix is, is tough. There, there's a lot of cool bass stuff happening. I can bring it down when that oh, song yeah. gets big. That bass is doing a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and but there's not a lot of low end though. Right. So you you're getting a very you're getting like an it sounds like um the bass on like a early 80s cure album or something. Like it's <laughs> yeah. It, it's so mid-range. Everything's fighting for the mid-range. Uh it's a you know Alter Boys might be the best might be my favorite song on the record because it's the best example of like because the tones are more constrained it has this like razor sharp fuzzed out bass or guitar i don't even know what it is but the tom the drums are simple they're just like tom hits Mm -hmm. and it just creates this this space i think that like the production and her voice really work much better um than any other song on the record and i think it's just because of the simplicity like it's not requiring you know lush great guitar tones it's not requiring it's not a complicated mix you know just the format and presentation of the song is conducive to you know what the band does best i think I, I agree with you. I think the stuff that works best for me 
in terms of the overall, you know, the sound, the vocal, the songwriting is like while away and bring it down. I did find that the back half of the record from like, well, not back half, but from say about sugar, from the sugar sweet razor pilot waiting for engines, I could drop all three of those songs. I thought pocket full of medicine would have been a fine closer, I guess. Um, but those are all so samey and it's just like 10 minutes or 12 minutes of, or 11, whatever it is of, uh, of unnecessary sort of slow and mid tempo there at the end, which it, it's just not dynamic in the way that the earlier stuff is. Yep, my notes kind of trail off there in terms of I like living a daydream. I like pocket full of medicine as a especially as a closer. It's just kind of a fun, waltzy. It's maybe the best guitar playing on the record. Um, and also sonically sounds like one of the better songs. But that stretch of Sugar Sweet, Razor Pilot, and Waiting for Engines is forgettable. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about overall rating on this record. Were the album better EP or decent single? Where do you land? I'm going to go with a worthy album. Uh, I, I just mentioned three songs that, you know, are not amazing. I think it's a dip in the record. They're not unlistenable. I don't reach like for the skip button when they come on. They're just not as compelling. Um, so that said, um, I think, and, and even at that, it's only what 50 minutes. So um, I think it's a worthy record. Where are you at? I agree with you. I, that's actually exactly what I had. Take those three songs out because then it gets you down to like, you know, 38, 39 minutes. Like yeah. That's that's a really good length for this kind of record. And I think mm-hmm. I think the songwriting is just just so strong on really the first eight or nine tracks. Uh, it's just the production that just does it in. And I know some people find that yeah. charming, but when I want that guitar to kick in and it doesn't, or the feedback yeah. or the squalls to not quite sound right yeah so that's that's just I, the I, thing that's missing i don't know that this is i'm looking at the sort of version i have here it doesn't look like it's been ever been remastered but no it sounds like a record that you probably have more on the tape there and that it could be improved quite a bit with a remix and a remaster Sometimes you listen to a record, and you're like, ah, you, there's no, there's no saving this. But there's enough songs in here where you're like, okay, yeah, that doesn't sound too bad. That makes me think that they may have gotten the takes. It's just through the mix and the mastering somehow it just didn't come together, right? And it, and it might be could be improved. Well. We need to thank Mike Bond for submitting this. We also need to thank Richard Waterman, Eric Peterson, Willie Dillon, Kyle Bittner, Scott Neiman, Joe Adam Smith, and Jeff Petrin for making suggestions. If you would like to be like these folks, go on to digmeoutpodcast.com, find the Suggest an Album button, go to the web form, complete the web form, and then it will go into our hopper and at some point in the future... Uh, we will get to it. Uh, 
unless we've already done it by that point. You never know. That could be, you know, that's just one of the ironies of life right there. You suggest an album and it gets done before you get picked. And then, and then uh, just, just, you know what? You just get back on your horse and you submit another album. You might want to slip more than one at a time. This is a long time to wait between albums if you're waiting. Because, you know, <laughs> these, aren't, these aren't happening overnight. Uh, also want to uh, tell folks, if you want to vote in these polls, go to dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Join the union for a couple bucks a month. You get to vote in the polls. You get a, or you get access to our Discord where all the chatter happens about the various things, the goings-ons. Yeah. If you're thinking to yourself, hmm, I'm not sure I want to hang out on this Twitter place anymore. We might have a solution for you. We might have what we call a uh, curated uh, and and <laughs> thoughtful, uh, homogeneous. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to say it, but it's it's, it's all a bunch of dudes who like music and <laughs> dudes and ladies like yeah. to, like music. It's people, but mostly Polite. chill chill people. You know, just like the ch- to nerd out about how much they love music. Nothing yeah. else. That's it. So maybe that's maybe that's a community that you'd like to be a part of. <laughs> uh, no shouting. No, 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 uh, no billionaire. Everybody's done by 9 p.m. You, you go off and you go to bed. <laughs> you, you know, we don't want anybody chatting after. Well, nine. I, I don't know. We've got quite a few people in Australia. And oh, that's UK, true. So. They need their they need their chance. So. Uh, and lastly, uh, oh, well, not lastly, box newsletter. Go to uh, digmeoutpodcast.com to sign up for that. And you get air, an email once a week from us. With the list of the new releases of the week, including two new reviews of uh, albums, TV shows, books, movies, documentaries relevant to 80s and 90s music. That's right. We're, we're telling you about new stuff, not just old stuff. And you go sign up for the box and you get to read that at Patreon as well. And uh, you find all that about what's going on. Apple Podcasts, that's where you say nice things about us. Uh, you already know that. Because you've listened to all 597 episodes before this, or whatever it is. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sure if I go and check, uh, we should have, Jay, how many people do you think has left a review by this point? One, 1. 1.5 million? 1. 1.8? <laughs> Are we pushing 2 million reviews yet? Easy. Okay. Well, well, I don't we'll want to pi- pile here, on, so. but if but if people do want to continue to pile on, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, hey, if you don't want, if you're not able to uh, join us at Patreon, that's cool. Just head on over to Apple Podcasts and, you know, give us a five star. We'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to uh, smash that subscribe button. Oh, no, sorry. That's a. Uh, oh, Jesus. Don't um, ever say that. <laughs> i don't i don't yeah i don't think we either of us ever have the energy to be youtube stars no no all right for non-youtube stars jay and uh, uh that guy and tim me uh we're out we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out it's just-